Hey, last week, Brad began a series. Uh, I said two did. Sam did. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, last week, Brad began a series um, called The Church. And in that series, we began to really dissect what, what the church looks like and what it means to be the church. In doing so, we broke down the myth um, that the church has anything to do with what we do here or really anything to do with, with what we traditionally associate with church, be that the pastor or the band or any of the, the neat things that we do. In fact, Brad taught last night that the church really is about us. It's about you and I together on a mission. The first part of that mission that we talked about last week was to plug in and to plug in to God during one of our worship experiences, be that our Saturday evening service or our community groups or something like that, to really get plugged into God. And this week we want to move forward. The next prong, if you will, in that mission is to charge up. At One Love Church, we, we accomplish that through a small group community, through what we call our community groups. Are you guys familiar with the term icebreaker? I know Sam is. Dave is. Uh, icebreakers, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, are these silly games or activities, exercises that are designed to help facilitate group dynamics and team building and all this sort of thing in group settings. I have a reputation for hating these things. It's just not really Brett's comfort zone with all these silly little games. And In fact, our leadership team met a few months ago and we did an icebreaker activity. And uh, the icebreaker activity we did is one of the more popular ones, and it asks the question, basically, if you were stranded on a, on a desert island, what one object and or one person would you take with you? Now, there's always some interesting answers to this question. There's always that one guy who looks across the room at his wife or his girlfriend with, the, you know, the puppy dog eyes and says, oh, I, w- I would take Carrie, which I wouldn't do, by the way. But... <laughs> Yeah. The rest of us are in the room gagging. Then there's the guy who gives the Sunday school answer. He's the guy that goes, I would take my Bible. And that, that's a great answer. Of course, he's lying through his teeth, but if it were, if it were sincere, that would be a great answer. But it's not. Some of the answers we got in our leadership team were rather interesting uh, because somehow we got the room primarily divided, uh, guys versus the girls. And I'm not sure how that happened, but i just say the guys would last a whole lot longer on that island than, than our girls would with their hair dryers and their cell phones. And the, but just saying. <laughs> yeah, it was curler. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Well, anyway, over the years, there have been lots of great stories and jokes and even TV shows about that whole premise of being stranded um, on an island without, without any of the necessities that we call Um, necessities in our life. None of those, to me, though, have beat the original uh, drama of Gilligan's Island. You guys remember Gilligan's Island? Okay, so when I was watching it, obviously it was in reruns. It came on right after the Brady Bunch, which evidently Holly was watching. But (laughs) those of you in the band got that. But so I, I love to watch Gilligan's Island. In fact, my brothers and I used to watch this show, which might explain why I'm so weird. But I, enjoy, I enjoyed Gilligan's Island. I think for me, one of the reasons that I enjoyed this show about these guys who wanted nothing more than a three-hour tour, um, I enjoy it because of the dynamics of the characters. See, each one of these guys, the skipper, was really smart. He was fearless. He was a good leader. He would take charge and, and lead the group. The Howls, they were filthy rich. It's just my kind of people. I, 
just drawn the people who are filthy rich, you know. But they knew how to handle all the, the uh, strategic business kind of things that may take place on the island. And Mary Ann was the comforter and the encourager, and she was always there, I believe, with coconut pies, if I, my mind serves me correctly, for anybody who was down. And let's face it, when you're stranded on a desert island, you're, you're down quite a bit. But then the professor, right? The professor could rival MacGyver. The guy could solve anything. He could invent anything, solve any problem they may run into, except for the fact that they were stranded on a desert island. And evidently, he was hot. Ginger could, thank you. Ginger was an, was an actress. She could act, and she was always providing that, that relief and getting them out of whatever situation they were in with whoever might have, you know, wandered onto the island in that episode. And then, of course, the star, there's Gilligan. Gilligan had the biggest heart. He had a servant's heart. He would do anything for anybody. Of course, he would probably screw it up, but he would do it with a good heart. He would do anything for anybody. See, to me, this was a great show. This is what television used to be like, for those of you in the back who are looking at me like, what's Gilligan's Island? See, it was a great show, and to me, it was more than a show. It was a picture of community. See, this, this group right here survived because they complemented each other's strengths. They worked together, and because of that, they were able to handle whatever each episode would lay on them, whatever each new day brought. And it seems to me that they provided for each other all of the benefits of community that we should provide for each other as the church. See, they had a sense of belonging, that their gifts and their talents were important. They each felt a sense of support that was provided by each other. Their lives were intertwined together. In one episode that I can recall, Gilligan got really depressed, and he was feeling really lonely, and he was upset and felt unloved, so he actually moved to the far side of the island by himself and moved into a cave. And I remember on this episode that here you are stranded on a, on a deserted island, and he moves himself even more deserted from the rest of the group, and it didn't take long before he realized that he needed the group. He couldn't survive over there in that cave. He needed the, what the group added to the dynamic, because he couldn't accomplish by himself nearly what they could accomplish as a group. A group of people maintaining their individuality and uniqueness, but they came together as one to live life together and to move towards a common goal, which they never met. <laughs> Pretty sure they're still stuck on the island. This is the same kind of community and together. Wait a minute, am I wrong there? Uh, see, I never saw the last episode. But <laughs> anyway, this is the same kind of community and togetherness that we see in the early church. If you look in the book of Acts, we can see that uh, this same sort of group dynamics existed in that day. And it's the same kind of community that can exist here at One Love Church. See, nothing, in my opinion, is more important in the life of this congregation than our small groups and what we call community groups, what I thought we called life groups. Funny story, I wrote my whole sermon around the premise of us calling our small groups life groups. And we got here this evening and found out that we don't. We call them community groups. So <laughs> evidently, I missed a memo. But anyway, but that's what can't exist in this church. In the book of Acts, we read that the first churches were rapidly growing, and they were on fire. They had the holy passion. The spirit was moving. But we also see a group of real followers. They were devoted to true community. And we are designed by God who himself, by the way, is a community of three living in relationship. We were designed to live in relationship. 
In Acts 2, in the second chapter, verse 42 and following, it says this. I think it's on the screen, yeah. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. See, church, real followers desire to be in God's presence, and real followers live in community. The early church prayed together, they read the scriptures together, and they praised God together. If we were wise, we would do the same thing and take heed of that model. In verse 44 of this, it says this, it says, all of the believers were together and had everything in common. And this gives us that there are two essential ingredients, building blocks, if you will, for what community should look like. The first of which is togetherness. It may seem implied that when we're talking about community or small group that we would promote the idea of togetherness. But the simple truth is that we are not designed to walk this journey alone. God has not called us to do it on our own. We have been made for relationships. And the church is God's plan to satisfy that need in all of us. All throughout the Bible, we see where the saints are taught to accept that when they accept Christ, they become part of a family. They become part of the church. They become part of the body of Christ. As we know that when a part of the body is disconnected, it'll shrivel up and it'll die. The same is true as, as we separate ourselves from the body, the church. It's only as part of the whole that we can experience and fulfill God's purpose in our lives. I often hear the argument from people who don't want to attend church that you can still be a Christian and not go to church. That concept continues to baffle me because I can't find where that's founded in Scripture. When I read Scripture, I see that God intended for us to be together in community. He did not intend for us to walk alone. In Rick Warren's popular book, The Purpose Driven Life, it says this. It says, the, the Bible says that we are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and we will be called up together where we will spend eternity together. You see, church, we are not supposed to do it alone. We are called to journey life together. At One Love Church, we call our small groups community groups. This is appropriate because the intention of these groups is to live in community with each other, to experience life together, and to journey this thing that we call life together. Have any of you guys ever visited the Redwood Forest in California? You guys been out there? You been there, Sharon? I've always wanted to. I spent a good deal of time in California, went to school out there, and have visited back, and I've never actually got to go and see the Redwood Forest. But I've seen pictures, and even in college, I took some botany courses and got to study kind of how the Redwood um, root system works. These trees are unbelievable. This is, the, this is a trunk of what would actually be considered a more moderate Redwood tree. They, they have Redwood trunks that you can drive cars through. And they're extremely tall, extremely tall trees. And you would think by looking at them that these trees would have a root system that goes extremely deep. If you know anything about trees, most trees support their weight by digging their roots deeper and deeper into the ground and, you know, really grabbing root down there. That's not the case with the redwoods. 
Redwood trees actually have relatively shallow roots. They stay pretty, pretty close to the surface, and the way that they prevent from falling over under the weight of their own, their own mass is that the, the roots are intertwined together. It's nearly impossible to tell where the roots of one tree end and the next begin. They're all intertwined on top of each other, and that creates the weight and the support system to hold these trees in the air. It's a pretty phenomenal thing, actually. As these trees grow, they're able to obtain the mass and the height and, and the size and the magnitude that is unmatched by any other tree because they are drawing life from the other trees around them. Isn't that a powerful imagery? If you dissect the early church, or really any healthy ministry, even today, you'll find that the reason that they can support growth, the reason that they minister in such an effective manner, the reason they can stretch beyond their own means or their own abilities is because for that group of people, their roots are running together. They draw off of one another, and it's hard to tell where the strengths and the abilities of one person ends and the next person begins. See, they've learned the value of togetherness. Successful ministries know what it means to be together and to be connected. As I read through the entirety of the New Testament, I look at the early church, and I see all of the things that they did and accomplished together. To me, the list is quite impressive. Just a few that I picked out as I was reading through the book of Acts, it said they met together, they prayed together, they ate together, they consulted together, they advised one another, they planned together, they witnessed together, they encouraged each other, they strategized together, they shared what they had with each other. No one was ever in need. They handled conflict together. They worked together, stood against attack together, and the list goes on and on and on. The early church understood what it meant to be together. In church, wherever possible, God intends for us to live in community. He intends for us to be together because togetherness is a building block of a solid community. My small group, I love my small group. Not just the current one. I love the people in my current small group and I love what we do, but I love every small group that I'm a part of because of what it does for me. That small group provides a place that's, that provides accountability. It provides study and prayer and support, and we study the Word together. In our small group, our list isn't quite as impressive as the book, as the list there from Acts, but Janelle has been leading our small group, and one thing that we do do very well together is eat. This last week, I almost went into a sugar coma because Trudy brought cookies, and Janelle brought some sort of a pumpkin, what do we call this? Custer. And, you know, the guys in the room decided that the logical solution to this problem was to use the cookies as silverware to eat the custard. <laughs> so, I'm getting looks. Was this Jen, Jen's idea? I feel like this was Jen's idea. Oh, I, oh, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> Evidently, it was Jen's idea. I will blame you when that coma comes on. But nonetheless, so we sat around in a circle in our group. I don't know what we did this week, but we ate together and we did it well. But no, honestly, this group was a great, this week was a great example of what community groups are intended to be. This week, Janelle called me or text messaged me in the middle of the week, or in the middle of the day, actually. And she said, uh, do you mind if we do something different tonight at small group? And the way she framed it, she does like a lot of women do when they want something. She framed it in this way that was like, she said, uh, do you mind if we let the spirit lead tonight? <laughs> can, 
<laughs> yes, can't say no to that one. So what we did, Janelle came prepared and we set aside a chapter. We're reading a really, really great book. And let me go ahead and give the plug. If you guys are not plugged into a small group, I encourage you to plug into one. There's, I think, three or four groups. I think there's three adult groups and a youth group going on right now. And they are all incredible, incredible studies. I encourage you to get a part of them. But we set ours aside this week, and we just let the Spirit lead us in a time of community. And this week, we ate together, we studied together, we prayed together. We took our entire evening, and we just spent time praying for each other what we were going through. We walked the journey of life together. And though that may sound like it was a really serious and intense evening, we laughed and we loved. And we had a great time in community together. That is what small groups are all about. The second building block of community that I see in Acts, 40, uh, Acts 2, verse 44, is this. It's common ground. The scripture reads that they had everything in common. Now, I don't think these people in the early church were clones of each other. In fact, I know they weren't. The believers of the early church exhibited tremendous diversity. Just as we do today. The people were different. As I looked around our small group this week, I got thinking, I was like, man, this is a diverse group. And small groups, by their very nature, are small. So there's six or seven people in this room, and I was looking around at all the different backgrounds and the different careers and the different educations and the different, all the different characteristics of the people in that room that formed a community. Each person brings their own personality, their gifts, and their uniqueness. But at the core, at the center of that all, there was a common ground. See, that common ground is made up of two things. First is a common story. I don't know all of your backgrounds. In fact, I don't know a lot of your backgrounds. Primarily, I know those of you who have done your video testimonies, and I love that because that helps build community. But I can tell you this, regardless of what the specifics of your life are, whatever your story is, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you and I have the same story. We were sinners saved by grace. We were sinners who deserved to die the consequence of our, of our actions and who have been shown grace and mercy. We share the same story. The old is gone, and in its place is a new beginning, a new creation, cleansed by the blood of Christ. We may be different, but if you have accepted Christ and you know Christ, then we share a common story. The second thing that we share in common is a goal. If we have Christ in common, then we share a common goal. We have our eyes fixed on building up his church, building up the kingdom of God. And at One Love Church, we strive to love God and to love people. Our life groups are focused on this common goal. See, our mission statement at this church is that we will help people find and live out the true love of Christ. And let me tell you something, church. In my small group this week, I don't know about yours, but we found and we lived out the true love of Christ. We prayed for each other. We shouldered each other's burdens. We held each other up. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that that same spirit from that room left that room with us. And that same spirit of prayer has continued this week and will continue in the weeks to come as we continue to be a community together. We are experiencing life together, experiencing the love and experiencing the community that God has for each of us. As I mentioned at the beginning of my message, I did a quick survey, and it was a last-minute thought, and thank you all for not participating, but I did a quick text message survey this week, and for a while there, I only had one response. 
now that we all know it was Sam, and I took all the time to Photoshop his name out of this next slide, but now you can all see it. Uh, this is the response I got that I really liked this week. It said, small groups to me mean the church. It's my time where I not only grow as a person, but as a Christian. I get to experience that with my friends and my family in my home. Most of all, I get to watch others grow in ways they never thought were possible. Received one more response later and didn't get to put it on the screen, but it basically said the same essence and added this to it. It said, my small group bathes each other in prayer. You see this? My favorite line in this entire response is the first one. Small group, to me, means church. Family, let me tell you, that is the essence of what One Love Church is all about. Our community groups are designed to be the church. Our community groups are designed to be that place where we are plugged in and we get to charge up. We go through life together and we get beat down. But in these small groups, that's where we meet the church. We believe in the power of community in this church. And we believe that the small groups are facilitating that in this congregation. Because we are all working towards that common goal of loving God and loving people. So we are all different, and yet with Christ as our Savior, we all have that common goal. We all have that common story. We have a common ground and a bond that's like nothing else in this world. In fact, just today I was talking to a family member of mine. She asked me what I was doing this evening or this afternoon, and I told her I was going, I forget, I was going to lunch with a friend or something, and she responded to me, and she said, oh, with your church friends? I said, no, no, that's, that's tonight. And she goes, oh, I know. It just seems like you always hang out with them now. That's what it's all about to me. The people in this room are the people that I want to be with, not just on Saturday evening. The people in this room are who I want to be with in all of my free time, which is increasing these days because I don't have a job. So <laughs> if you're all free, give me a call. <laughs> and Trudy, Trudy and I will be hanging out at Tim Hortons if you want to come see us. church we are a family and as we build this ministry here as we prepare to launch this church we're really captured by the reality of the early church that we read in acts tonight that community we found that on these two building blocks that are found in that acts 2 verse 44 we've come come to understand that it takes togetherness and it takes a common ground to be the church We may have to move our idea of church outside of this building, which this church does such an excellent job of doing. We have to move it outside the reality, and that's what this series is all about. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to dissect and break down what it means to truly be the church. As Jesus is the head, the church should become the hub around the rest of our lives, around which the rest of our lives take place. The fact that we share a common story, a common calling, and a common goal, we have to be very intentional about keeping Satan out of that. And that's why I think moments like what our group experienced this week are so important. And I encourage you guys to to build those relationships outside of even the confines of the small groups. Build those relationships with each other. Because that, that accountability and that togetherness, that community is what makes one strong. Just like those redwood trees, If we want to grow deeper in Christ, our roots need to go deeper in Christ. But the second part of that, as I found in Scripture, is community, which means that our roots need to spread out. 
and we need to become intertwined such that this church would stand so strong that we couldn't tell where one member stopped and the next began. That's the kind of community I see. And for some of us, we need to expand the definition of church if we're really going to understand that. We have to think about our church family differently. The church is not this. It's not any of the things that are around us. It's not the pastor or the band or the lights or the fog machines. It's us. The church is us. The church is Christ at work in us. And sometimes we get stuck in the thought that church is just something we do once a week. It's an hour-long commitment. We come, we enjoy it. We enjoy the music and the coffee and the, the free stuff and the chocolate bars. and We enjoy all of this, but it gets put in that same category with Little League and movie night and soccer practice. It's just another event, just another obligation. And it's meant to be so much more. In conclusion, let me share with you a quote. In his book, The Connecting Church, an author named Randy Freeze writes this. He says, the experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to fulfill by the church. The writings of scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church not to be one more bolt in the wheel of activity in our lives, but to be the very hub at the center of one's life. You see, church, the early church in Acts made no distinction between church and life. They were not in separate categories or separate compartments. They were, in fact, one in the same. The church is life. See, when we experience both the hardships and the joys together, the good and the bad, the happy and the sad, when we share these together, we are living in community that God intended for us to live in. If you're not a part of the small group ministry in this church, I can't encourage you enough to be a part of that. It doesn't do anything for me. I'm plugged into a small group. So your joining one doesn't do anything, doesn't benefit me at all. I encourage you to do so for your own benefit. It's a powerful, powerful experience. And honestly, one that I look forward to more than I look forward to this evening service on Saturday nights. I love the small group community. I encourage you to get plugged in. Sam's group is meeting on Tuesdays. Our group is meeting on Wednesdays. Holly is on every other Monday. And who's your daddy? Every other Sunday with the youth. Those details are available on our website or talk to one of those leaders. I encourage you to get involved. Will you pray with me this evening? God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in your house, Lord, and experience the community of family, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be with these persons, Lord, who you have put in our lives to build us up. God, help us to live our lives in such a way that you wouldn't know where Brett ends and where Zach begins, God. Help us to intertwine our lives, Lord, such that you would be glorified in all that we do, and it would stop being about us and about our pleasures. God, help this church to take on the look, Lord, that outsiders would be perplexed by what's going on in here, Lord, that we'd be such a community of togetherness. We would share that common bond that is you. We thank you, God, for being God and for being present in our lives and for all that has transpired here this evening. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.